What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 172. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? Not too much. I'm ready to cheat. <laughs> Wait, hold yeah, on. let's do it. <laughs> Delete that clip. Delete this. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> cut, cut the episode. <laughs> Before we teach everybody how to cheat, uh, let's do our usual housekeeping. Of course, if you're not already in the Discord, do check that out. It's the best place to be to chat all things MTG. Come say hi to us. We've got a great uh, community of aficionados over there as well. So just tons of things to talk about. Trophy decks, pick discussions, um, and pretty much any other nonsense you can think of. We've got some stuff coming to that. I think both Ben and I are going to mention this in the Fairy Tibble section this week. Um, some updates coming to that that's going to continue to make that place even more fun so get in on the ground floor of the discord right now while you're uh kind of still early um the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our twitter page and if you'd like to support the show directly you can do so on patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft pod huge huge thanks to everybody who continues to support us over there right now if you're listening to this like as it releases you'll notice if you check out the patreon that you can't actually sign up we've got it paused right now because we're revamping the whole thing if you're listening to this far into the future go check it out uh we're really excited about the the changes that have been made so uh yeah check that out but more on that in a couple of future episodes all right no crack draft type thing this episode we'll get to that later on to the teferi tibble ben what's going on i had an absurd weekend i'm just gonna rattle off the series of events started with a hoser concert immediately after work went there it was awesome. Great stuff. It was two hours away, which was maybe a mistake on my part, but I was meeting up with my brother to see it. So uh, Hose is awesome. Big fan. Really cool visuals and everything. Uh, got back and then the next morning immediately woke up at seven uh, after getting back at like two to uh, drive my girlfriend to this wedding that she was in. So then that was a whole day affair, uh, except in, the, in between driving her there and me going myself in the afternoon, I got my flu shot and my COVID booster. So uh, people told me this was a quote unquote bad idea. And I, I really don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> that is not uh, what I thought you meant by shots uh, in the. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, th- there were shots of many kinds. It was a wedding after all, right? Uh, it was actually a, a pretty fun wedding. The, uh, the two sides of the family, one was very Irish. The other side was very Texas, and this was in, in this is happening in New Jersey, which I guess is equidistant between Texas and Ireland. So it does make sense. <laughs> uh, but it was it was quite the wedding. It was an awesome time. Next day, got up, went to a street fair. You know why not? And uh, after that, went on a uh, giant IKEA run uh, with my girlfriend who just moved recently. Had to get some shelves. Uh, got her a, a giant bear, one of the uh, Junkle Skunk, I think the name is, or whatever the actual name of those things sure. are like the blahaj you know the giant stuffed animals from from yeah, ikea sure. anyway uh, those things are great so that was the jam-packed weekend i didn't even have an ounce of time to play magic which you know sometimes you need weekends like that uh, i'm happy to say that this weekend i'll be playing in the store champs which is limited for the bearded dragon local store here so looking forward to that yeah enjoy it while you can Standard yeah. sword champs coming your way. <laughs> Look, I, I guess we're going to go into hibernation when when everything shifts into the big standard season. I'm going to play standard. I already got the pieces for white weenies. It's the same as the pioneer deck. Anyway, my tibble is that this week I have been absolutely exhausted. I somehow still have not caught up on sleep, despite going to sleep even earlier than I usually do. And that I'm making a bit of progress in. So 
uh, it was just a, uh, a not very relaxing weekend. We'll say that fun in, in all regards, but not relaxing. What's up with you? Yeah. Um, well, we'll continue the wedding train. I've got two weddings this weekend, so, uh, I'm going to go to rehearsal for one cause I'm in it. And then immediately from rehearsal, leave to go to the other wedding. And then, Jeez. which is an hour away from where the rehearsal is. And then drive an hour back to like my parents where I'm pit stopping overnight. And then another hour back out to the other wedding in the morning. That is nuts. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. And then I'll have to drive two and a half hours home that night too. So good luck. it's going to be a lot. Very busy weekend. I'm both looking forward to it and not looking forward to it at all. So that's kind of a Teferi and a Tibble. Yeah, I saw you put it um, in both. <laughs> I was wondering yeah, if maybe yeah. one wedding was a Teferi, one was a Tibble. <laughs> no, they both should be Tibble. Uh, they both should be Teferis. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, yeah, embracing the Tibble chaos-esque nature of the weekend. Um, yeah. The other uh, part of my Teferi is, of course, really exciting things coming for the show. We're going to be saying this over and over for probably the next month and a half or so. Oh, yeah. Huge um, Teferi. Each week, hopefully, we'll be giving more and more tidbits of what's coming. But, um, yeah, the show's getting a, a makeover. We'll, we'll put it put it that way for now. Um, yeah, it'll be good. And then the other part of my table is kind of just I've noticed my inability to kind of find balance in a lot of the different things I'm trying to do right now in my life, like whether it's work or extracurriculars or stuff with the show or all these different things, going to the gym, whatever. Uh, finding a balance to actually be able to do all these things and make significant or reasonable progress such that it's worth doing them in the first place has been difficult. Some stuff mm-hmm. gets ignored. Some stuff does, gets like uh, completely overlooked. And uh, I'm still trying to find a balance on those things. All right. On to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Hululu. And if you want to have your question answered on the show, you can jump into the Discord. Again, link to that is in the episode description, as well as on our Twitter page, and uh, drop your questions in the listener questions channel. But Hululu asks, what are, in your opinion, some of the most underrated restaurants? Well, one I'd like to just throw out there as a New Jersey local, Wawa. And I know this is a restaurant that many people haven't heard. I, think I don't think it's it a restaurant. Still, that's what you're going to be upset about. I think nope, be upset that's about not it. That's thing. not it. That's not it. I'm totally upset about the other thing. But okay, I don't okay. actually think Wawa counts as a restaurant. It is incredible. Okay, gas stop restaurant. It, it does it all, right? Did you know they have pizza now? I haven't tried it, but oh they yeah, they've got like burgers and pizza have. and all sorts of stuff. Now, I actually think Wawa is perfect magic food because you can go get something nice, easy, relatively cheap. I got a $5 burger there in under five minutes, just in and out, uh, in between rounds <laughs> during an RCQ. So, and this was after me driving there and back, and I still wasn't worried. Granted, I was playing a red deck, so, you know, I'd finished in 20 minutes or so. Uh, but then again, Wawa, it just, it does it all. Uh, cheap gas, cheap food, good food, a lot of options. Uh, and you know what, at least in New Jersey, it's hard to find a, a Wawa without a restroom. And that can be very useful. I think of Wawa's as my, my checkpoints in life. If I ever need to refuel in any way or defuel in any way, <laughs> I can go to a Wawa. Now, yeah, I will say anybody who's listening, who's not from the Jersey or Pennsylvania area, and I guess also Florida, cause there are some of them in Florida, you may have no idea what a Wawa is. 
They are functionally the mythic uncommon version of like a 7-Eleven or yeah. you may know of a Sheets. I've heard Bucky's, which is like a, a Texas area kind of thing, is way better. I have not been yeah. to one, so I can't can't uh, make Come any comments go, on that. Check equivalent to all of these. Wow, now, was the uh, best of all of them. Yeah. So th- this, I, I think a lot of locals properly rate it. I think it's widely underrated because many people haven't heard of it. Now, I, I think this might be the one that, that pisses you off more. Uh, underrated Olive Garden. Now, before no, I say not. anything else, <laughs> before I say anything else, uh, I would like to point out that Olive Garden is not Italian food. I would never say that. There are Italian listeners. Okay. They would stop listening if I said that. <laughs> Olive I would Garden stop is... making it if you said that. <laughs> All right. Olive Garden is not Italian food. I would never claim it is. But if you use it properly, if you use Olive Garden to your advantage, you can get some very cheap Americanized Italian food. Uh, American food with Italian pizzazz, we can call it. So personally, if I needed somewhere cheap, maybe funny to go with friends, I think Applebee's and, and the, those types of restaurants also fall under this. If you want somewhere cheap and kind of funny to go, uh, if you go to Olive Garden, you get the unlimited soup salad breadsticks deal. Duh. It's great value. You get the unlimited soup salad breadsticks and that's your meal. All you do is you eat soup, salad and breadsticks while there. So you and your whole party, you each get this meal. Now, uh, you still get your entree, but you just don't touch it. You get it. You let it come out. You go, all right, thank you. And then you just put it off to the side and you continue to eat unlimited soup, salad and breadsticks. It's all you can eat. It's secretly an all you can eat buffet of soup, salad and breadsticks. Because, yeah, they'll, get, they'll start to get mad at you after like the third round. But <laughs> you can just keep doing this. And then so what you do is uh, before you leave, first of all, you get a box for your entree. That's meal number two. Uh, you order a fresh load of soup, salad and breadsticks. You take all those home too. So you wind up paying, what is the deal? Like it's like 20 bucks in most areas. You pay 20 bucks for three meals worth of soup, salad, breadsticks, and some other entree that you choose. This is how Olive Garden is underrated. People will underrate it. They will pass it off as this, I don't know, passable level restaurant. When in reality, it it can be a secret hack for those trying to eat a bunch of food on a budget. Especially an all-you-can-eat dinner. <laughs> now, I, I will allow you time to rebuke. I vehemently disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I think Olive Garden is 100% properly rated as an abysmal place to consume food. And the only thing, the only thing that is good about uh, Olive Garden is the mints they give you when you get the check. That is the, <laughs> the only the good thing about mint. them. <laughs> The breadsticks are passable breadsticks. They're not like exceptionally good breadsticks. They're not terrible breadsticks. Likely they're frozen. They heat them to or yeah. maybe to order. Probably they're just sitting under a heat lamp somewhere. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. That's okay with me. I'm not paying $20 for all you can eat salad anywhere ever. I just, <laughs> it's not happening. Um, and I'm not a big soup guy. So the soup needs to be exceptional. Plus, like you're not getting anywhere near enough protein if you're going with that deal. I'd much rather just take the 20 bucks and like go buy some groceries and like make a meal than go to Olive Garden. Also, 
you were like putting Olive Garden in with the same crowd as like Applebee's and such, and those are <laughs> properly rated terrible restaurants. So, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Now l- let me let me give you my ranking scale here. I- I'm not saying that Olive Garden is. Olive Garden is far off vector from my usual dining experience. This is not something that I actively seek out. It's not a vector that I enjoy. I do consider it below usual playable grade. If we were going to use a a typical like tier ranking scale, I would put it in C. I think most people put it in D. Now, I would never seek Mm. out a C. I would go there if one of my friends was like, oh, we got to go to Olive Garden after this movie. And I'll be like, it's fine. It's a meme. I get who, it. Who, what friends do you have that do that? Cause <laughs> stop talking to them. Okay. Sometimes it's funny. Like, I, I don't know. I used to know some people that would go to, uh, to Applebee's for their like $1 shots and they would play magic there and they would bring their decks and their play mats and they would just get the $1 shots and have a commander night at Applebee's for, you, you remember who I'm talking about from high school? Yeah. That was genius. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But those are $1 shots. Not, yeah okay look i think we might have to remember when we did those tier ranking lists i think we might have to pull one of those out for a uh i I don't even call it fast food joints yeah like restaurant tier lists crappy not fast food joints i guess i don't know and again i'm not saying that this is s or a or even b i'm saying that olive garden has more application the question was underrated restaurants right i think it is underrated i i do think it's rated far below most things i personally would never seek out to go to an olive garden but i recognize that it has applications it's like it's like a cyborg card right it's like you hey, should take a cyborg card this is like a sideboard rate on sideboard a sideboard all right all right i don't think this is going anywhere let's talk about vintage cube <laughs> thanks for the question hulu that was a fun one uh and again yeah if you want to have your question answered on the show jump in the listener questions channel on the discord all right, on to our main topic. This week, Vintage Cube is back on Moto. So if you're on Arena only, branch out a little bit, download MTGO, and uh, check out Vintage Cube. Obviously, and we've talked about this before, and personally, I kind of fall into this camp too. Vintage Cube is kind of terrifying. It's a, it's a really scary format. There are all these like super powerful cards that you may not be familiar with or have ever played before. I still haven't really drafted much of it. I know I'm kind of... Uh, ousting myself here as maybe uh an, an undercover kind of uh pleb but yeah i i don't really play too much vintage cube because it is kind of terrifying and um we're gonna kind of demystify it here today we're gonna teach you how to at least what to look for right we're gonna go through the main vectors of uh of vintage cube at least the current iteration of it and kind of talk through what makes those decks tick what cards you should be looking out for what types of cards you should be looking out for and hopefully get you comfortable playing uh, vintage cube and hey maybe we'll throw in a live draft for you as well mm-hmm. uh, the long story short is you cheat that's how you win a vintage cube you cheat in a whole bunch of ways now i personally was scared of vintage cube for a while more so than anything adapting to mtgo and yeah it's a little bit clunkier than arena but you can get the all access pass uh, that kind of lets you buy into those uh, premier level events for just five bucks and then their economy is actually pretty solid you can buy in for uh, 10 tickets. That equates to $10. 
you know, dollar per ticket. And then if you go to one, you get 100 play points, which is enough to rebuy entry again. If you go 3-0, you get 150 play points. Uh, even if you go uh, one and two, you get 50 play points, which is a better prize breakdown than Arena has for its best of three drafts, right? Also, this is best of three. So for those that enjoy the, I guess, uh, the, the Friday Night Magic experience, this is a little bit closer to that. You know, you get sideboard options. You don't have to worry about your ranking or stuff like that. Just trophy leaders, sure. But, you know, I'm never even on those. People that go hard on Vintage Cube go really hard. Now, uh, I was actually, I was thinking about something that a student had said to me the other day. I, I was talking to a student about how, well, the student came to me and was upset about how they did on, a, on an exam. And I, I was talking to the student. I was like, well, actually, you know, in my class, you can resubmit your work. And um, when you resubmit your work, you know the answer. You have to tell me how you figured out the answer, how you figured out your answer was wrong. And then tell me how you know your answer was wrong and how you know this new answer is right. You know, like refer back to experiments we did in class, refer back to derivations, things like this. And the students said something really interesting to me. They said, isn't that cheating? You know the answer, but now you just have to justify it. That feels like cheating. I should have done it the first time. And I was like, well, that, that's a great sentiment. And I understand why you think that. But it's the learning process. It's the process of getting it wrong that leads to good science, right? Like no one got it right the first time. And it kind of clicked in me in that moment. I wish I had told myself that about Vintage Cube a long time ago. Because I think the scariness comes from being afraid to fail or being afraid to miss a trigger or to use a card wrong or uh, to not use an interaction right. So I think what we can do today with vector theory is I can do our like I can do the best that I can to tell you answers, right? I can tell you vectors and then it's on you to make the mistakes and then learn from them to iterate from them. Because I've made a bunch of mistakes in Vintage Cube, right? I've missed triggers. I've F6'd and when I clicked in my turn by accident. I've skipped attack steps where I, uh, I threw the breach to Emrakul and then I forgot to attack with her. And then I'm like, well, now I guess I just lose. Uh, I, can, I can at least give you the vectors, right? And then from here, I think it's a great jumping off point where you can take this download moto. Just give it a shot because this, this is a fun draft. I mean, compared to Woe, which has not been <laughs> doing a lot for me recently, Vintage Cube is awesome. And the more people can access it, the better. So let's talk about some of the vectors. Now, I've mentioned cheating a couple times. There's a bunch of different ways you cheat while playing Vintage Cube. The first way you can cheat while playing Vintage Cube is speed. You have access to cards that are so much faster than cards that would ever be printed today things that are you're able to deploy and attack with and just kill your opponent with in a much faster and more efficient manner. You can go turn one Raghavan into turn two, I don't know, Stoneforge Mystic, and then turn three, put a Cauldra Complete into play plus a Lightning Bolt. And that's a bit of a messy vector there. But I think specifically Mono Red and Mono White, these two decks get to cheat on speed in ways uh, that, a lot of modern limited formats just never see. Cards like Ragavan, Lelia Blade Reforged, the big five mana dragons, Goldspan and uh, Glorybringer, even stuff like Fable of the Mirror Breaker. These are all very efficient red cards. White gets to do it in a pretty similar way. This vector is slightly slower, but a little more disruptive. 
things like Thalia uh, to prevent your opponent from wiping your board. Resilient threats are things that make a bunch of creatures. Um, maybe things like Selfless Spirit to, to prevent your board from being wiped. Uh, sort of like a more hate berry approach, but still very fast, right? If you play an Adeline on turn three and the Hero of Blade Hold on turn four and your opponent's trying to dirtle, then you're just going to crush them. And, and some good interactive and disruptive elements, too. Um, something like uh, Paula Vitor, right? Uh, when you get to look at their hand with Elite Spellbinder and slow them down, or when you get to uh, or even Mana Tithe, one of their plays, right? You really have access to a lot of cool stuff here. Now, these, uh, these are the vectors, right? You could even be like a blue-white Chion's deck, as they call it, where you're splashing blue for some counter spells and backup. Maybe your mono red deck ends up being like a green red deck, and you incorporate some ramp elements to help you land your glory bringers faster. But the mono red and mono white vectors, these get to cheat on speed. So, what, for those who are not cheating on speed, we've got some other options, right? The next would be cheating out something big. These are kind of terrifying decks, in my opinion. Um, you have sort of a couple of different approaches to the way these these work, right? You've got cards like, or vectors like the reanimator kind of theme where you're getting stuff into your graveyard and then you're casting uh, a black spell to, you know, bring it back from your graveyard right to the battlefield. Typically, these might be a mono black or mostly black with some uh, maybe blue for control to kind of, you know, back you up. Um, but you also see this kind of vector cheating out something big through cards like Sneak Attack or through the Breach that let you cheat cards into play. Maybe either get something from your hand really quickly onto the battlefield that's gigantic or even from your sideboard to, you know, turn, what, four or five Emrakul and then you're just like, okay, uh, how, what's your opponent supposed to do with that? Yeah, these ones also benefit from a lot of card draw and tutors. These are sort of packages of vectors that you can even slot into other decks that we're going to talk about. But getting out something big on turn two, again, not weird to see a turn two Grizzlebrand or a turn two Archon of Cruelty. Uh, sneak Attack and Through the Breach, um, uh, even like uh, Show and Tell, uh, these types of decks are a little slower. Uh, those are the ones that might end up being more packaged in a control vector, but you could also have these be pretty hardcore uh, combo-oriented decks. Sometimes you have like an oops-all-combos type of vector too, where, where they, they, they have this goal of cheating out something big through a million different methods. Flash is a pretty new inclusion to some cubes that uh, that's pretty good for it too, to just get the ETB and death effects of something like a, uh, an Archon of Cruelty before reanimating it. Now, the next way you can cheat then our next vector is to make a million mana. Now, this is different than cheating out something big. Cheating out something big usually involves other methods. Through the Breach just puts an Emrakul into play, or Sneak Attack just puts an Emrakul into play. Channel just, you know, I, I, well, I guess Channel's kind of in the middle here. But making a million mana, there's a couple ways you can do this. Now, Storm, this is a deck that can benefit from it. Uh, doubling your mana is the way that Storm will usually try to win. Using cards like High Tide to double island taps that turn. Uh, Mana Flare, Heartbeat of Spring to deb uh, double lands that are tapped. And then some land untappers too. Something like Frantic Search, uh, any ways to mass untapped lands, Candelabra of Taunus, that sort of thing. Uh, those are ways, once you have your lands tapping for multiple colors or multiple mana per turn, uh, then you can start generating tons and tons of it if you have ways to untap lands. And Storm usually wants to be casting spells to untap their lands anyway, right? Turnabout is a classic Storm card. Uh, the four mana instant untap or tap all stuff of your choice. So Storm will try to win through something like that. Now, you can do this with lands too. 
This could also involve just hitting extra land drops, hitting more land drops than your opponents to make a million mana. Uh, something like uh, Fast Bond or Exploration, where you get to play extra lands each turn. Oracle and Moldiah, ways to uh, play lands off the top of your library or even from your graveyard, right? Uh, to be consistently hitting land drops or something like Crucible of Worlds or something like Ramanop Excavator. Now, you could also work with lands that tap for a bunch of mana by themselves. Talarian Academy, Gaia's Cradle. Uh, these ones work well with uh, tokens, particularly artifact creature tokens work really well for both. So ways to pump out a bunch of those. There's also uh, ways that you can put your opponent behind on mana, sort of like a, a sub vector of this making a million mana is having your opponent make a lot less mana than you. So that would mean using wasteland, strip mine, even upheaval to mass reset the game or in some way put your opponent lower on lands than you are. Yeah, upheaval one plays really well with the next like subcategory we have here of using artifacts to make a million mana. Obviously, Vintage Cube has the power nine so we get things like the moxen we get things like some of them these aren't power nine but some of the most powerful mana rocks in the format right uh tap threes and then you also have like uh cards like upheaval which will let you kind of bounce your opponent's board bounce your board but then you get to replay all your stuff because they're really cheap or zero costed um mana rocks that then tap for more mana to let you recast all your stuff so typically uh these big million mana deck quote unquote million mana decks can get ahead that way as well some of these big artifact mana decks, they want to make tons of colorless mana. Stuff like Basalt Monolith or uh, Mana Vault, these types of cards. Uh, some of these even have infinite combos involved too. Zerda, the Dawn Waker. Any of the cards that say like tap, uh, big mana rocks that tap for three mana and then you have to pay three to untap them during your untap, otherwise they don't untap. Uh, with Zerda, which makes activated abilities cost less, then those can go infinite. And of course, once you have infinite mana, you can probably find a way to win the game from there. Uh, another way you could do this is cheating with creatures to make a million mana. This involves green ramp decks, which have sort of fallen off by the wayside a little bit. Although, you know, Guy's Cradle and multicolored green decks are still plenty playable. Uh, so those decks would like to finish with something like a Crater Hoof, at least in the traditional mono green sense. Um, or like Natural Order into a Crater Hoof or Natural Order into a Progenitus or uh, some sort of giant green i win the game right now type of card now once you make a million mana within this vector whether it is for storm uh, or maybe for uh, lands or artifacts or creatures once you have enough mana you can usually just win the game right there's card draw there's ways to get creatures on the board that cost a lot there's x spells you can cast a walking ballista for 20 in vintage cube and just win off that sometimes uh it, there's no shortage of ways to win the game just by drawing a bunch of cards or, or I don't know. Sometimes you can just float a million mana and your opponent will concede <laughs> rather than, you know, get to see you have all the fun of playing out whatever your hand is. Now, cheating on card draw is another way you can win in Vintage Cube. The wheels are a big aspect of the format. That's cards like Wheel of Fortune, Echo of Eons, Time Twister. These cards that somehow involve you either discarding your hand or shuffling your hand back into your library and each player, you and your opponent, drawing seven new cards or some number of new cards. Now, this might seem like, I don't know, not that good. I mean, there's so many good cards in Vintage Cube. Why do you want to give your opponent seven new ones? There's ways to break the symmetry. My favorite way is to dump your entire hand. If on turn one, you get to go 
land, fast bond, land, land, mox, soul ring. That's a great dream draw, right? But then you've dumped your entire hand. And if by turn two or three, the last card in your hand is a draw seven, well, then your opponent, if they haven't cast all the cards in their hand, then you are functionally drawing seven cards and they're functionally drawing two or three. Right. And this can even break up combos that they had tried to like tutor for or things they had in their hand that they were planning on using uh, in such a high stakes format like Vintage Cube. Information about hands is, is pretty relevant and, you know, preventing your opponent from trying to do their broken thing as well. So another way you can break the symmetry on cheating card draw is uh, punishing them for drawing cards. Some creatures just straight up say your opponent can't draw more than one card a turn, right? Leovold or Narset, the three mana planeswalker. Uh, Shieldred and Bowmasters, they can both just smack your opponent for a million damage for drawing cards. Uh, Hole Breacher can make it so that any of the extra cards they draw just don't happen and become treasure for you instead. So those are, are all pretty good cards, and that's a great vector to have. And now the card draw vector, the cheating on card draw, this vector pairs really well with a lot of the other ones. Um, many of these other ones, really. Cheating on card draw is a vector that I think a lot of decks in Vintage Cube like to abuse. Uh, there's only a handful of vectors that don't really want that many wheels. But like the lands deck, the artifacts deck, uh, anything that's playing that many cheap things. But when you play that many cheap things, you can probably play a wheel. Yeah, and I think we're going to get into this with this with this last category, but... Something that you'll notice as we're talking about these vectors is there is a good level of overlap between them. And I think that's part of what makes Vintage Cube so intimidating is, for lack of better phrasing, how loose it is. Like, while you can have, like, really tight decks, the, the vectors themselves have some overlap in terms of what direction they're pointing. So you can kind of use these big mana decks and these big card draw decks together to get through your whole deck and then have the mana to cast the massive bomb that's going to win you the game or mm -hmm. you know you're maybe you're not drawing a ton of cards but you're just milling out and you might win with like a thassa's oracle or reanimating a grizzle brand or something um there is a lot of sort of overlap between these but i think some of the most fun ways to win the game are to cheat on card quality and that's where we get into some of the really crazy stuff that vintage cube enables some of these like crazy combos that are only available because they've jammed a bunch of cards that weren't designed with each other in mind into the same format things like you know of course you get twin you have like the the breach lines eye diamond brain freeze combo which i'm not even Don't sure i understand how that it. works yeah. <laughs> uh, um, i could do it i could do it on paper but clicking through it on magic online does still intimidate me yeah it's that's a, a bit of a nightmare of course all the storm decks feel like they're just ridiculous card co quality like combo wins uh, Channel Emrakul, there are all sorts of really wacky cards that you can just slam together uh, that maybe even don't seem like they belong, but then this is kind of where Vector Theory helps, where you have a card like Channel and you, you get past an Emrakul and you're like, wait a second, I can turn to cast an Emrakul and like, how do you, sure you're going down a ton of life, but like, how do you lose the game from there? You could do a turn one. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then also cheating on card quality here vintage cube is just rife with the best cards in magic right fable the mirror breaker lalia thalia Rafelos for the green deck and of course the power nine right the, the soul ring these are cards that you don't get to play with on arena unless you play oracle the alpha and then you know whatever but you know these are cards that you can pack one pick one 
when you get to just slam a mox or a lotus or or a time walk or something on pack one pick one that is an experience like no other in magic and that's why this is so much fun yeah now and I'll, I'll just throw out there too like half the cards you just named outside of like the power nine right those were like red and white cards so while the card draw the million mana stuff does feel like maybe that's the most busted there are we talked about cheating on speed there are red and white decks that do really well and they may seem more fair, but really you're cheating on a totally different axis than these other decks are. So don't write those decks off. And then similarly, there are still control decks in the format. You can run things like counter spells. You can run things like thought sees, um, the pitch elementals, right? Like there are a handful of control decks that still perform really well because while your opponent's going off, you counter the one thing that actually matters. You know, they might be, mm-hmm wheeling through their deck but none of those cards are actually doing anything and then as soon as they play something that matters okay now you can counter it and they're like well uh how do i win from here yeah boom force of will boom mana drain something like that these types of cards are still very good although as some of these more broken strategies have gotten better it does feel like some of the the more fair one for ones have have gone down a little bit but counter spells will still always uh, have a great place in vintage cube and i i think the best decks in vintage cube do more than one of these things, right? Uh, the card pool is so deep, and these cards do so much. That may be the biggest barrier to entry. Don't be ashamed to go look up the card pool and just read them all over real quick so you don't kind of, you know, to freeze up during that pack one, pick one. Very few cards in Vintage Cube have only one application. Uh, Minsk and Boo, for example. I would put Minsk and Boo in just about any red green adjacent beatdown deck i would also put minsk and boo in a card draw artifact big mana deck that's trying to draw a bunch of cards as like a wheel because if you spend a couple turns with a minsk and boo in play eventually you get to smack something for seven and draw seven and that's exactly what that deck wants to be doing drawing million cards and even establishing some board presence that's why it's one of the very high picks in vintage cube because it does so much in so many different vectors wheel of fortune right you would play that in a lands deck you could play that in an artifact deck you could play that in a mono red deck if you expect to dump your hand and then get to uh you know just reset with a bunch of lightning bolts uh underworld breach right a combo card a card that you know is not my favorite to cast but uh you could play that in a mono red deck or an aggressive assertive red deck as a value card or you could play it in a combo thing with uh brain freeze and lion's eye diamond so cards have so many homes it's just a blast to open up a pack of vintage cube which i think we should uh we should do that right sure why not i will say also before we get to it while you're pulling it up if if you've already been practicing vector theory in your normal quote-unquote standard drafts, like Wilds of Eldraine or uh, you know, March the Machine or Lord of the Rings or any of these kinds of sets, if you've been practicing vector theory, honing your ability to draft using vector theory, the actual draft portion of Vintage Key won't feel very different because you'll start off by taking the cards that have the strongest vectors in the most directions, and then you'll adapt your pick orders as you see cards come through that match up with the direction, the best direction of the vector of the first card you picked, right? So the actual draft portion gets easier if you've already been practicing vector theory. So I wouldn't let that intimidate you either. And we're live. So uh, let's see. Got some pretty good stuff here. We got an Emrakul, Counterspell. There's a Natural Order, a Flash. Marsh Flats is good, Swords. So no super busted power here. 
but uh, still some some pretty good stuff. Let's make this a little bigger too. Yeah. So what are you thinking when you open your first pack of vintage cube? I mean, typically when we talk about cubes, we talk about taking things that are like not replaceable. My mind went mm-hmm. immediately to Emrakul as well, because that is one of those cards. I see you just selected it there to be reserved. So yeah, what are you thinking? I think the two probably best picks here are Emrakul, Swords. I think Marsh Flats is also up there. Flash is up there as well. It really depends on your personal preference. I mean, if we had power, we would just slam it. Swords, I think, is probably the correct pick. Emrakul is, I think, the funnier pick. <laughs> we got 10 seconds. What do you think? Yeah, let's just take the Emmy. We'll see what we get past. I mean, we're looking for cards that let us cheat her into play, I suppose. Yeah. So we've got a paradoxical outcome, a ponder, other things that stay. Ooh, dream halls. That one's kind of funny, but a little early for it. Third path iconoclast is good in the Gaia's Cradle and Talarian Academy decks because it makes a bunch of artifact creatures. So it turns on both those. I think probably the best picks here are uh, Ponder, just because it's such a great value card. Just one mana, look at the top, three cards, put them back in any order. You may shuffle, draw a card. There's a Smuggler's Copter here that'd be good for an aggressive deck. Sylvan's not too bad either. Now, taking Emrakul, we would want to be doing like a cheating into play big mana vector. Not very good at reanimating Emrakul because uh, she does shuffle herself in once she hits the graveyard. There are some reanimator cards you could do at instant speed, like Corpse Dance. which I guess is an option for us here, but I don't love starting with the goal of reanimating an Eldrazi. That doesn't sound that appealing. Yeah, it's a I think, loose. honestly, Ponder might be the pick. Uh, Dream Halls is funny if we could get a wheel or something, but I wouldn't want to take the Dream Halls before the wheel. I'm just going to take Ponder because it's just very safe. Ooh, interesting stuff here. We've got a Hex Drinker. That is a great card. Uh, you can just dump a million mana into it, and all of a sudden you have a win con. Glimmer Lens. This is a new addition. Two mana for Mirrodin. Whenever a quick creature and least element creature attack, draw a card. Uh, that's kind of cool. Some sort of equipment, beatdown deck, probably good with Stoneforge Mystic. There is an Underworld Breach in this pack. Could take the Breach. Not seeing anything that puts me in a definite vector, though. Parallax Wave is a very strong white card, but haven't seen too many good white cards going by yet. This may be a good opportunity to hedge by taking a land. Uh, we do only have options. The, the breeding pool as an option here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we talk about those being pretty, pretty safe picks for just about any part of the, the draft. Yeah, breeding pool is not too bad. There are triumphs in Vintage Cube, too. So we usually have options. I think I'd like to go with either the Hex Drink or the Parallax Wave. Parallax Wave really puts me in Mono White, though. I'm going to go with the Hex Drinker. Ooh, nice. We got a Noble Hierarch here. Noble's awesome. Uh, just one mana accelerants. This is great for a bunch of the vectors we were talking about, right? This acts sort of like a, a green creature dork just to tap and, and get stuff going early. A lot of the things that we mentioned involve cheating on mana, and uh, just a little one drop can be great for that sometimes. Skull Clamp is also great, though. Um, we're not super close to Skull Clamping stuff here. Skull Clamp is at its best when you can make a bunch of tokens. Uh, whoever took mm-hmm. the third path iconoclast will be pretty happy to take the skull clamp and this uh, catches up oppositions here this was a pretty fun build around but that's also coming for a going wide vector there's an ever-flowing chalice a sort of big mana kicker thing i think noble's a very safe pick here i'm just going to slam the noble hierarchy okay we've got a kin and bonder prodigy and a portal to phyrexia a pest investigate uh, and pest investation this is good for big green decks Kumano faces Kakazan. That's a mono red card. 
Now, Portal to Phyrexia is the best Tinker target in the cube. Tinker is not the type of card that gets passed that often in Vintage Cube. Uh, I do like Cannon a lot, though. Cannon, if you don't remember from uh, Ikoria, whenever you tap a non-land of any type that permanent produced, and then you can pay seven, look at the top five, put a non-human into play. That is one way to get Emrakul into play. Now, you don't get her cast triggers, but you can put Emrakul into play on your opponent's end step, and that's usually good enough. Uh, I kind of like Kinnon here, given that we have Ponder, the Noble. It's good with Noble. I kind of want to try Kinnon out, see what we can do. Yeah, the other option there, I think, was Zyatora's Proving Ground, but it's kind of like double off-color, so not really all that exciting either. Here we have a couple value pick options. There's a Bayou, which is the green-black true duel. Uh, there's a Mox Opal, which I, I love this card, but we're nowhere close to the correct number of artifacts. This is only a Mox if you have three artifacts, uh, and it counts as one. I think your Utopia Sprawl is a pretty safe pick. I guess it doesn't work with Kinnon because you have to tap a non-land for it, but Utopia Sprawl seems pretty on vector for what we're trying to do. I love these green pile decks, green, blue, reddish. You tend to be able to do a lot of stuff when you just have a good base. Of course, sort of crew fix. We, we don't have any of the good lands yet, so we're not really trying to turbo lands. Uh, I think I'm going to take the sprawl here. Yeah, and I think these options, like, they make us look like we're locked into blue-green, but really what we're kind of setting ourselves up for is any massive bomb we get past or open in any of these packs, we're going to be close to being able to just take. Yeah, to be clear, this isn't going great so far. You want to start with yeah, power. Yeah. You want to start with some big, flashy thing. We didn't see any of the great reanimate targets. It didn't really get into any of those vectors. We're not seeing anything that's awesome in mono red or mono white. We're just kind of seeing some middling vintage cube cards. These packs have been kind of weak so far. Uh, here we've got a, a blue red talisman, which does pair very well with Kitten. It's a non land that taps your mana. There's a plateau, which is red white. Bunch of random junk. I think I'm just going to take the talisman. Wow, you just disrespected Blood Tithe Harvester Draftcraft Hero that way. <laughs> Look. We're happy that he made it into Vintage Cube, but I can't say more for him there. Agatha Soul Cauldron. This card is so busted in so many formats. I just don't know how it performs in Vintage Cube. Now, Renin 6 is great. If we try to do like a lands type of thing, it's particularly good with fetch lands, lands that can put themselves in the graveyard. Devoted Druid, though, this does work really well with Kinnon. Uh, I think it's probably a safer pick. We have nothing super good to snap right now for Snapcaster Mage. We're pretty far from Yawgmoth or Scarab God. I'll take the, the Devoted Druid. So we're back to our original pack. A couple black cards stayed in. A couple red cards stayed in. There's a Kenrith, a Regrowth. Regrowth, deceptively, isn't really a green card. It's more of like a storm card or if you're trying to do broken wheels things. But I, I don't think any of these other cards really do much for us. Squee. Kenrith is a human, so you can't even get him off of Kinnon. No, I don't really like any of these cards. I think I'm just going to take the regrowth and uh, maybe we end up playing it. Wow, Dream Hall's wield. Interesting. There's a Savannah as well. We're not really going into white for any reason. There's a Corpse Dance, which does work if we can find a way to discard Emrakul, but we'd rather like sneak attack or through the breach Emrakul in. There's an Abrade, which is just a solid spell, but I... Look, I- I'm going to spec on the Dream Halls. So Dream Halls, what this card is... It says rather than pay the mana for a spell, you can discard a card that shares a color with that spell instead. So when you can draw a ton of cards, you can start chaining and you can storm off with this in ridiculous ways. But it also pairs well with other good sneak targets like Atroxa or multicolored ones like uh, Itali. Uh, This pick I don't think really matters for us. I'll take a Bone Shards. Uh, 
some decent value stuff here. Holebreaker horror. Pretty solid. sweet with Dream Halls. Yeah, horror's good. You could get down a, a card earlier with all right, yeah, I could take a holebreaker horror. Portal of Phyrexia. If we can get some cheap multicolored cards. Oh no, I guess it shares a color. Ooh, actually, Inspire Ultimatum. Oh, that works with Dream Halls. And we'll take an Outland Liberator. Okay, last Yeah, that works in both directions with uh with the Dream Halls too, which is pretty nice. Yeah. Uh so the Inspire Ultimatum is, is, is pretty cool. This means I could discard a blue card, just some random thing like ponder to Dream Halls and just free cast Inspired Ultimatum. And then you draw five cards, you get to keep chaining off. And we've got our next you pack open the here. Tinker. There is a Tinker, and we've got Portal of Phyrexia, a Talisman. There's other very good cards in this pack. Brain Freeze, uh, Lelia Blade or Forged, even Ketria Triome looks pretty good so far. There's a Talisman, a Ramanup Excavator, Verdant Catacombs, although we didn't take that Renin 6. But look, we have Portal of Phyrexia. We're going to want a bunch of other cheap artifacts, so like talismans go way up, but I mean, I have Portal. I have the best Tinker target. I got to take Tinker. Yeah, and I mean, this is a point where we're really now we can kind of really heavily shape the deck. <laughs> we got past the soul ring. <laughs> All right. Look, this That'll is why you listen to episodes like this, <laughs> because sometimes... Um, what was in this pack? I, I, I they opened power, right? You would have to. Um, depending on who you listen to out there, there are cards you could argue are better than Soul Ring, but there's certainly no better card in this pack. Um, Reanimate is a very strong card. Brainstorm is a very strong card. The Talisman we want to wheel. What about Groved, Hard Evidence? Yeah, all these, but um, <laughs> you don't get past the Soul Ring very often. That means, realistically, we could turn to a portal. Not that that's actually good. They don't have three creatures in play then, but it's, it's very strong. Now, here's a One Ring. That works really well with Tinker. You could either Tinker it away or Tinker into it, depending on the, uh, the circumstances. Wow. Draft Chef Hero Scrapwork Mutt making an appearance as well. <laughs> Love to see it. Yeah, look, I mean, we, we pick them good. And there's also some other uh, cards we could actually play. Scrapwork Mutt, eh, I don't know if it would make it, it in. It feels pretty uh, far for this deck. Yeah, something like a Talisman of Curiosity, though, I could see making it in. Uh, tinkering in a Mind Slaver is not the worst thing in the world. Tinkering in a Phyrexian Flesh Quarter, not the worst thing in the world. There's an ignoble hierarchy. We already have the Noble. <sighs> One Ring is just so broken. I, I think, given that we already have artifact tutoring things happening, One Ring is great. Uh, it also draws us a million cards to work with the Dream Halls. I think I'm just going to slam the One Ring here. Okay, another interesting pack we've got. Uh, there's a, a Tundra, a City of Traders as lands. City of Traders is a cool land. It says when you play another land, sacrifice City of Traders, but it taps for two colorless. So that would help us ramp out something like the One Ring or I guess cast Portal to Phyrexia, but we don't really want to do that. There is a busted card in this pack, though, and that's Fourth Aer Lingus. This card is very strong because it involves the monarchy. Uh, it's X, red, white, create X, 2-2 two, two red human knight creature tokens with trample and haste. And then whenever one or more creatures you control deal, deal combat damage to a player this turn, you become the Monarch. So you tap out, you basically fireball them, and you become the Monarch too. It puts you super ahead on board. Now, if we didn't feel like splashing that, because that would be a double splash for us now, there's some just good value cards. There's a mana leak here. I mean, that, that might be the smarter pick, but I think we'll be able to pick up some off-color talismans. I'm going to take the fourth air like this. Ooh, there's balance. Can this be a balance deck? 
I don't think we have enough artifact sources. Balance, it's kind of like a one-card vector, although it does best align with the artifacts vector. And to be clear right now, we are sort of moving into the uh, the junction between the big artifact mana cheating and big creature mana cheating. Uh, Dream Halls kind of staples those two vectors together, but Balance can too. Balance, uh, it forces each player to sack or discard down, sack down to the minimum number of creatures between each player, sack down to the minimum number of lands between each player, and discard down to the minimum number of cards between each player. So it's good when you have no creatures in play, no cards in hand, and not a lot of lands, which means a lot of artifact mana. I'm going to take it, because I think we want to pick up more talismans anyway. Okay, we got a bunch of stuff here. Now it's starting to look like when we want to take some fixing. Uh, there's an Arid Mesa for fetching, although we don't have any fetchable lands yet. There's a Field of the Dead, although we're really far away from that. There's a Factor Fiction, a Thirst for Discovery, a Shallow Grave. Another one that does work with Emrakul, but not really with anything else we have going on. I think I'm going to take the Arid Mesa, just because it's a fetch land, and hope to pick up some sort of triome that's on color to either... Maybe like we get like a white, blue, green, or something like that. Like a, what would that be? Spara's headquarters, right? Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning too. Like, this is clearly not like the most uh, incredible draft ever, but we aren't necessarily experts in the format either. I think this is kind of like the best way. This is the way that we approach the format. So it's kind of interesting. I don't consume a ton of uh, vintage cube content myself either. So I'm curious how other folks would be approaching this draft, but. You can speak for yourself. This deck is sick. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I don't have a ton of experience with the format. I, I don't play it very often, to be honest. So look, this pack, we get to take a Talisman of Unity. Uh, the green-white Talisman works with Kinnon. It's a white card, helps us splash forth Aerolingus. Uh, I guess in a pinch, it could help us cast Inspired Ultimatum. Helps us cast Balance. Uh, this is perfect. Uh, there is a Sylvan in this pack, too. Maybe hope to wheel it. Oh, okay. Well... There's also an Oath of Druids here, but we have too many mana dorks. There's an Upheaval. I don't think we're going quite that big on mana. We don't have any of the really busted cards yet, like Cradle or Academy. There's a Talisman of Resilience. That's probably the safest bet, although, man, Upheaval is really tempting here. I think we have enough busted stuff to do already. Oath of Druids, again, we're pretty far away from because we have all these little dorky creatures. We're trying to use the creature mana ramp to get us ahead. I think a talisman is probably a good bet here. Again, we just want a lot of things that we can tinker away. Ooh, a Verdant. Wow, pretty late for that. I think we'll just slam the Verdant here. Again, it's, it's a green fetch. We're going to be playing a lot of green cards and blue cards, so hopefully we can pick up a, uh, a blue-green duel of some kind. How about a Zagoth Triumph? Perfect. There's also a Brainstorm. Oh, we have two fetches. Oh, man. Brainstorm, you draw three and then put two on top of your library from your hand in any order. So then the joke is you can put back two you don't want. Fetch, shuffle, they go away. But Zagoth Triumph, we just need fetchable stuff. It is a swamp forest island, so it doesn't work well with Arid Mesa, but I'm going to take it there. Ooh, a Talisman of Curiosity did come back. There's also an Ashen Rider, Flesh Gorger, Mind Slaver. But we have some good Tinker targets in Portal and the One Ring already. I don't think we need Mind Slaver or Gorger. I'm just going to take the Blue-Green Talisman. That's perfect for our deck. Recurring Nightmare, no. Exhum. Now I'll just hate draft the Exhum. <laughs> There's nothing else. Oh, actually, hold on. Urborg? Do we have a reason to want to cast black cards? I guess not. I think I'm just going to take the Exhum and toss it inside. 
uh, there's a titan of industry, I guess, with Dream Halls in play. We could pitch one of our dorks to cast it. I'm not even entirely sure we're going to be playing Dream Halls. We really want some fast mana. Wow, I guess no one's hardcore reanimator. Shallow Grave came all the way back around. And there's a Field of the Dead, but no thanks. Yeah, Putrid. Well, reanimator's pretty open, but we haven't seen any reason to. <laughs> okay. <Off color> max. <laughs> we have got a pack. Well, double, double power. Yeah, we have opened double power. You know, sometimes you just get lucky, right? I'm glad it's happening for this episode. This is, this is a sick draft. Uh, there's a Mox Ruby and a Time Twister. I, I don't think you're going to like my, my option here. I'm going to pass a Mox. <laughs> no, I, I was with you. I don't think the Mox Ruby is exactly what we want anyway. Yeah. Um, Time yeah. Twister seems pretty sweet for us. So think about it. Mox Ruby doesn't really help accelerate much of our stuff it does help us get out our tinker stuff faster that is absolutely true but this is the type of deck that wants to refill its hand badly man all right we've, we've been past power and we're passing power you know give a little take a little we're, we're just giving this back to whoever gave us that soul ring uh i i think you could make the argument to take the mox over the time twister here in that there are replacement effects for time twister we could get a Wheel of Fortune or an Echo of Eons or something. But I think we're going to dump our hand very quickly. This deck could just go Noble, Soul Ring, Lands. And then we're kind of out of gas. I'm going to take the Time Twister here. Okay, good stuff. Uh, there's a Mind Twist, an Oko, a Flooded Strand, a Wasteland, a Stomping Ground. Good stuff for us. We'll probably wheel something good out of this pack, too. Uh, Oko is loco <laughs> you know there's not a there's not a format where oko is bad and Stomping i think ground is out, also like, a land that both our fetches can grab that's true i think we could wheel it okay i i think oko is is got to be the pick here um yeah it, it's it's just too good mind twist is also a great option we're gonna be able to make a ton of mana very quickly and mind twisting your opponent i guess similar to how you could put your opponent behind on lands by stripping them or uh, wasting them you can also put your opponent behind on cards thus giving you virtual card advantage by mind twisting their entire hand while maintaining a lot of your cards but oko uh, it just shuts down so many good strategies and is just a really strong card i think we'll take it and hope to wheel the stomping ground or flooded strand or something Ooh, okay, some options here. We've got a Demonic Tutor. We have some things we'd certainly want to tutor for. There is a Bolus of Citadel, which is a good tinker target, but not great while casting like an Emrakul or something. Uh, we've got a Mana Vault, which is also good for fast ramping out, something like a turn two one ring. Mystic Forge, we're not quite that deep in the artifact deck. There's a Library of Alexandria, but that pairs really well with cheap removal, and we don't really have a lot of that. There's a Taiga, just to show up red-green land to get with Arid Mesa. That makes Arid Mesa into a tricolor land. We're not deep enough in black for the tutor. Mana Vault is solid here. The Taiga, I think we need to improve our mana a little bit. I think I'm just going to go for the Taiga here. Yeah, I Mana agree. Vault is so good, though. It's sort of like a one-shot Lotus or a one-shot Soul Ring. Oh, man, it's hard to pass a Mana Vault. I think Taiga's think? correct, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe it'll come back. Oh, hey, sneak attack. Uh, sneak attack right. would be great with our Emrakul. It's kind of funny with our Titan of Industry. We don't have a lot of other targets, but given that we're planning on wheeling, drawing a bunch of cards, uh, I do think it'd be a pretty cool thing to have in the deck. Just, you know, sneak Emrakul is, is a solid way to win games. 
Uh, I don't see a ton of stuff I mean, for us, though. Yeah, what else are we taking? Effective. Overgrown Tomb, maybe? Yeah, there's some strong cards. There's Palace Jailer. Mm, Knight of the Reliquary can get us nothing. Time Warp. This could be a solid Time Warp deck. We have some good things we want to do turn after turn. It pairs well with the One Ring and Oko. Uh, not even yeah. that bad with something like Kinnon. You know what? I, I don't think we need the Sneak. Maybe we'll pick up other targets, though. I mean, we haven't seen any. Like, Woodfall Primus, yeah. uh, Archon of Cruelty. But then again, no one's in Reanimator. I was hoping we'd immediately see something like a yeah. <laughs> Woodfall Primus. <laughs> okay, um, we have some, some solid pickups here. There's a Wooded Foothills. The uh, red-green uh, fetch that could get us either the Taiga, uh, the Zagoth Triome. Yeah, there's a Chrome Mox that lets you... Uh, as that one enters, you can exile a non-artifact, non-land card, and it taps your man of that color. We're not too far off from Omnath in that we have a bunch of fetch lands. Might be able to wield the Omnath, actually. There's a Fractured Identity in here, too. Pretty solid stuff, but I think I'm just going to take the Wooded Foothills. The fellow, Rofellos, is here. Uh, Shield of the Apocalypse. Little off-color. Very good yeah. with Time Twister. You know, you, you have a Shieldred, you Time Twister, you gain 14, your opponent loses 14. That's... <laughs> A way to win. That will win you games, yeah. Uh, Sphinx of the Steelwind is cute with Dream Halls. It's also not the worst thing to sneak into play, but it's also not great because it doesn't really stick around. Palantir of Warthonk is a solid card just by itself. Do we have enough forests for Rafelos? Yeah, I have no idea what a map base looks like right now, so... (laughs) Yeah, we're going to be playing a lot of forests. This is a base blue-green deck splashing red and white. Uh, I think we could just take the Botanical Sanctum. That seems oh, safer, nice. We sure. got a Sparrow's headquarters. Uh, ooh, there's also an Ulamog. Another sneak attack. did target, take the huh? sneak attack, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Iona, Stoneforge Mystic, Questing Beast, Memory Jar, Skyclave Apparition. It's good stuff in this pack. This yeah, has been I a very. The, <laughs> Go ahead. The discipline pick is probably Sparrow's headquarters. I would probably just take the Ulamog and hope that to do the sneak attack thing, but oh, okay, he did it. Oh, <laughs> Oh, we got this. passed through the breach. <laughs> oh man! All right, all right. What do you we have mean? Been I'm, just, a, for I'm our just patients. good at this game. That's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so while Zach was talking, I did take the uh, <laughs> the Ulamog over the Sparrow's headquarters, and uh, yeah, we got through the breach, which is exactly what you want for Ulamog and Emrakul. So now we have this sneak attack Ulamog Emrakul breach package, and uh, Kinnon will be able to search to try to put an Ulamog or Emrakul into play on our opponent's end staff. So cool stuff. <laughs> wow, there's the Archon of Cruelty after all that. Uh, you'd rather we flash this pack, in so Archon? That's interesting. We missed it the first time. Around. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. I guess I'd forgotten about that thing entirely. Oh, wow, the Cauldra and the Stoneforge are both going around. It, just in a funny order. There's been some funny orders to these packs. Razor Verge Thicket doesn't help us too much. I'll just take the Archon. It's not great with any of this stuff, but it's, it's fine. The Reanimator thing, uh, Sun Titan, Sundering Titan. Don't think we have an I guess you could sneak in Sundering Titan, but it would hit a bunch of our lands too because of all of our duels and fixing. That's more for like the big artifact mana deck. Uh, we would have loved a channel in this deck. Channel into Sundering Titan, channel Portal, channel Ulamog or Emrakul, or even channel One Ring isn't the stupidest if you can play a bunch of Talismans the same turn. It doesn't really matter what we take here. I'm not sure we're playing any of it. I took the Sun Titan, just put it in the sideboard. Uh, probably not playing any of these. We don't have a lot of interaction. 
we have some permanent-based interaction through Oko. We have uh, player interaction through Ulamog and Emrakul, just uh, interacting them straight out of the game into game two. <laughs> interacting uh, them a, straight out of the game. Uh, there's a Boltless' Citadel, which we can technically tinker into. I don't yeah, think we're going to play it. Uh, Mishra's Workshop's kind of interesting for this deck because it would mean that we could tap for three to cast Talisman, Soul Ring. But our big artifact payoffs are just colorless. No, I, don't, I think we'll just take the Overgun Tomb. I don't think we need it. Ooh, Omnath is kind of cute. How many fetches did we end up with? Arid Mesa, Verdant, Wooded. Three fetches isn't that bad. We don't have any ways to recur them. We probably won't play it, but... Ooh, and then a last pick, Raging Ravine, to help us cast our red stuff. Uh, yeah, and then Iona. Yeah. This was a fun draft. Uh, very cool deck we've got here. A lot of sort of disparate combos and card draw and acceleration to tie them together. We opened three pieces, of, well, opened two pieces of power and got past a card that's arguably better than a lot of the pieces of power. Uh, very, very fun draft. Glad everyone got to come along with us for this one. All right, so we have our final deck here. This was... This is quite the pile. Uh, we did end up cutting the Dream Halls package. Uh, that's better where you're trying to storm off, draw a million cards, cast a bunch of stuff each turn. And even with Inspired Ultimatum, which pairs really well with it, I just don't think we had enough stuff to get there. I mean, we had a bunch of colorless cards in our deck, right? There's like 10 colorless cards in our deck, and that's the exact opposite of what you want with Dream Halls. So we played a bunch of our lands. I don't think it's not worth ratting off all those. You can just see them on the screen. Uh, but for our, our one drop slot, we've got Ponder, Hex Drinker, Noble, Utopia, Sprawl, Soul Ring. Great mix of accelerants, uh, efficient cards like Ponder and Hex Drinker. Uh, really good turn one stuff there. But uh, our, our turn two is where it gets good. We've got four Talismans. So because we've got Soul Ring, that could even come down on turn one. So, so we're able to tinker on turn two reasonably in this deck with a Soul Ring Tinker draw. Uh, also in the two-drop slot, we've got Devoted Druid and Kinnon, this package of, um, along with the Talismans, tapping for just a trillion mana. Kinnon, we have a package that we'll get to later on. Uh, balance in the two-drop slot as well. So with all these Talismans, maybe we could engineer a board against a creature-based deck where we don't really care if we sack our Noble if it wipes like four creatures out of Mono Red or something like that. Or uh, I guess we could like sack one of our, yeah, we, we have like a couple creatures that will be on board. Um, a couple more talismans and a few less creatures, and we could have been an Oath of Druids deck, too. Uh, and three drops. We have Time Twister, which I do still support that pick over the Mox. Tinker, which will be awesome because we can tinker from one of our talismans into the One Ring or Portal to Phyrexia. Oko, which can make food to also tinker away or shut off our opponent's busted artifacts and creatures. Uh, now, we're getting into our other packages. We've got the One Ring, which I mentioned at the four drop slot, but also Sneak Attack and through the breach in the five drop slot, which are a package to sneak in some of our heavy hitters. So we have Titan of Industry, Archon of Cruelty, Ulamog the Infinite Gyre, and Emrakul Aeon's Torn. Some better to sneak or breach than others. Uh, funny enough, we actually have Exhum and Shallow Grave in the sideboard, so if we wanted to go a little deeper, we could make it so that we just get to breach or sneak them in and then bring them back, but that's, that's getting a little too fancy. Uh, I think just sneaking or breaching will be good enough sometimes. Uh, and then we also have our uh, fourth Aer Lingus up in this spot as a massive mana dump. Sometimes we'll just have a trillion mana from all these things. Uh, and then we have Portal Phyrexia uh, to tinker into as well. 
So we can also use Portal Phyrexia to get back something that we've breached or uh, sneak attacked. And all of our breach and sneak targets can be hit by Kinnon as well. So Titan, Archon, Ulamog, and Emmy. Uh, those can all be put into play on end step off of Kinnon. And uh, yeah, the Titans, they have better cast triggers than they have ETBs. Uh, but Archon and Titan are both awesome to hit off of Kinnon. And then we have just a bunch of good fixing, right? Triomes, Catacombs, Fetches, Duels, a bunch of Forests and uh, Islands for the early, early game for casting our stuff on, on, uh, on time. This is a good deck. I, I like this one a lot. I'm excited to play games with it. Too bad I have a bunch of schoolwork to do. <laughs> well, that about does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. Do check out the Discord. As we mentioned, a lot of new kind of stuff is coming there. We're going to be revamping that as we revamp the show as well. So check that out. We'd love to have you join the community there. It's completely free. The link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash draft shaft pod. Again, depending on when you're listening to this, you may not be able to join just yet, but do check that out uh, if you're listening anytime really in the future after this is released. Um, you can also support the show by checking out shop.draftshaft.com and pick up some merch. We've got shirts and uh, pint glasses and all sorts of stuff that are draft shaft logoed and all that. So you can pick up your draft shaft merch there. And you can find us online at at DraftChaffPod on Twitter. You can also find us at DraftChaffPod on Reddit. Um, so do look out for us there. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks, folks. Okay, something quick before we go. There have been Doctor Who spoilers coming out, which is about as far away from limited as it gets, right? These are Doctor Who commander decks that are being dropped. Uh, and I think they're probably making packs for them too or whatever. Uh, let's be honest of course they are now as unnerving as it is to see real life people just portrayed on magic cards i mean i'm just looking at a picture of david Tennant right now yeah <laughs> he's he's in other things right um I, the more i thought about it the more i liked it now i i have a couple points to make uh a my old points on universes beyond still stand it's not universes taking over magic it's magic taking over other universes this is us infecting others with magic there will be doctor who fans that pay attention to magic for the first time because they see that there's these cool collectibles or game pieces and stuff like that second <laughs> uh they're doing some solid reprints things that modern players will actually like too and that's pretty cool uh things that make it worthwhile to get these decks and such and uh, all that good stuff third the more I thought about Doctor Who, the more I realized it actually does fit perfectly within the magic ethos. And yet it's spacey, timey, wibbly wobbly themed. So it might not seem quite on par with, I don't know, the more high fantasy stuff. But we've seen our, our forays into this sort of thing before. The more I thought about it, the more I realized that Doctor Who is refreshing in a way, in that a lot of the things that have been brought into universes beyond Fortnite comes to mind. There's sort of a veiled cynicism to them. And this is present in a lot of what you might call nerd culture these days, where there's sort of this, this winking at the audience. Think comic book movies, right? Where they sort of wink at the audience and say, yeah, this stuff is stupid, but you're going to buy it anyway, right? You're going to buy tickets. Uh, it's almost like it's 
making fun of the source material so that the people that go and see these movies, they can play it off like, oh, yeah, it is just a dumb superhero movie in the end. And uh, there's sort of this cynicism to it. And I've gotten very sick of that. Uh, I've been off of superhero movies, Marvel and DC for a while because of this. They just treat the source material with this. I don't know. It, it almost feels like sometimes certain superhero movies are calling the audience dweebs to their face. And I think people will know what they what I mean when I say this. Doctor Who does not do this. It has always fully earnestly leaned into how silly and outrageous it is. Daleks, Cybermen, doctors that regenerate uh, pudding and, and fish and gummies and, and, and all sorts of absolute nonsensical junk. And yet the show treats them with the utmost reverence that there will be like a three episode building arc where you can tell something is wrong and uh, no one knows things are disappearing or going wrong and the galaxy is in danger. And then it'll be like these tin cans that look like they haven't changed since the 60s because they haven't changed since the 60s. But the show never laughs at you for still loving it, right? It, it always approaches it with this seriousness and this freshness and this love for what it is. And that is something that I, I do think a lot of Magic players identify. And I think why these seem to be such a hit. And while I haven't watched Doctor Who in years, it kind of makes me want to make a deck. Like just a Doctor Who commander deck. I saw my favorite episode of Doctor Who, um, Heaven Sent, got a card, right? I saw someone on Twitter call it the new expressive iteration. And uh, it seems like a solid card. It makes clues. It's blue red. It's it's a neat little package. And it actually perfectly summarizes the episode. So for a lot of these that I don't even understand, because they're from doctors that I haven't seen before, uh, I I would hope that those do the same and are giving that same, you know, flash of inspiration for other people. So I've done a 180 on the Doctor Who ones. I kind of rolled my eyes at first, but now having seen what they've done and, and the love that's been put into it uh, and, and just gotten a reminder of what Doctor Who's about, uh, I'm all for this one. <laughs>